Everyone is a character. All characters are Tatiana. Conclusion, Tatiana is everyone. You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And in this episode, we are discussing season three in its entirety. We're doing a, a wrap-up type thing, right? Wrap-up? That works? Yes, that's what I've been calling okay. it. I, I think everybody knows what I mean. <laughs> okay. So we're good. So we're talking about season three in its entirety. So if you have not seen season three in its entirety, there will be spoilers ahead for you. Just a note from the editing room, this is actually the first half of the season three wrap-up. Recording went on for about two hours, so we thought rather than have one really, really, really long episode, we'd make it two pretty long episodes. So so here is part one. Part two will be released a week after this. And we have a guest with us for this episode. My favorite guest. My favorite guest. The best guest ever. <laughs> I thought you were going to, like, introduce. <laughs> or are you waiting for me to introduce? Or are you waiting for her to introduce herself? I'll do it. Nobody knows what's going on. It's my partner, Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Chris. Hello. <laughs> you might remember Susan from our Mrs. S episode. <sighs> I was waiting for that. So, Susan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet on the first and third Wednesdays of the month, I do a internet radio show called All Acts of Love and Pleasure, where we talk about <laughs> sex, sexuality, gender, sexual orientation, sensuality, and whatever else we can get up to from a pagan perspective. And you can find me at www.pagansnight.com. Um, you can also find me blogging on feminism and goddess worship at pagansquare.com slash third wave witch she i didn't even know she did all of that really <laughs> I live with her didn't even know nope no clue we should talk more we should talk more okay by all means let's let's do that and broadcast it on the internet <laughs> well you know but kind of like lesbian drama was a theme this season so i think us like working out our communication difficulties <laughs> fits in with the theme of season three i didn't tell her about my blog because i wanted to protect her <laughs> but i should have a say susan and then somebody says but i don't understand <laughs> pretty much it's the only way that I could love you and all your listeners equally. <laughs> oh, goodness. Stephanie facepalmed. Everybody should know, I think. Stephanie facepalmed. <laughs> oh, you can't keep making these decisions unilaterally, Susan. That's just all I'm saying. Okay. So talking about jumping into our general feelings about this season... What were your general feel feelings, Chris? Well, I, I, I want to preface this by saying we rewatched the season, or I rewatched the season. And it's I rewatched the first six episodes. The the ones that are harder to remember because they're further away, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I rewatched the entire ten in a crazy marathon. Don't do that, people at home. <laughs> but I did. And I've got to say, I think the season played out much better in a binge watch. Because as we've talked about, the season really kind of started out a lot slower than every every two seasons before that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the, the pacing feels better to me in a binge watch, because it really does ramp up and ramps up faster than it does when it plays out over the course of 10 weeks. How about you? I definitely got the same feeling when I rewatched the first six episodes. The beginning of the season played out better for me watching them back to back to back rather than the the big spaces in between. So this season, yeah, it's definitely my least favorite season of the three, which is maybe a negative note to begin the episode on. But I feel like a lot of people struggled with this season. I feel like I have a lot of questions where I kind of 
don't quite understand what the writers were really going for with some of the choices that they made. But I'm hoping maybe over the next months, over the hiatus, there might be listeners who reach out to us and say, like, Stephanie, I understand exactly the themes that they were trying to approach with that storyline. And let me explain them to you. Please do that. Please do that, listeners. Because I, I and it's possible next season might illuminate them a little better as well. But right now I'm just left kind of being like, huh. I don't really get it. I, I do want to say, I feel like this is more sort of a mid-series feeling season, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Because it, I think one of the benefits and drawbacks of Orphan Black is that it starts out so strong and so relentless <laughs> that now that they've slowed it down for like the middle of the story, it really feels slow. I mean, watching it, in a binge watch, it doesn't feel as slow, but, you know, comparatively, I, I get where that feeling is coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how about you, Susan? I'm with you guys that it's my least favorite season, but it has some of my favorite moments. Yes. Mm -hmm. It has some awesome episodes in it. Yeah. And there are some, even in some episodes that were kind of like, well, okay, we had to have this to get from, you know, point A to point B. There are some really beautiful moments. Um, that I appreciate. And I still I did not binge watch. So I guess I, I need to go back and do that. But um, I'm coming at it from having just watched it in real time and watched it through once. I have a lot of questions and I'm still working out my feelings about some of it. But I'm also really excited by some of the themes that they surface to see what they're going to do with them. I agree completely. And I want to talk even more about the overlap or the, the callbacks to kind of classic science fiction like Brave New World and Blade Runner. Cause to me, some of those things were even more obvious this season. And I'm, I'm I kind of like that they're seem to be playing with that. Yeah. Having seen at least part of Blade Runner more recently. Yeah. There, there's stuff that is more obvious to me now than it had been before. Definitely. I think that the, the big theme that was introduced in episode six that Beth introduces, the we do terrible things for the people we love, was a, a big thing throughout this season. Yes. And what was the other thing? I, when we were rewatching together, kind of, the other day, Chris, I was like, I think I said, oh, no, upsetting things are about to happen. You're like, that's actually a good tagline for season three. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yes. <laughs> the terrible things for people we love upsetting things are about to happen those are my takeaways from season three so far that, that's really just like the series though <laughs> it's true it's true and we got a voicemail from my friend elizabeth and her boyfriend dave and they're freaking adorable so here's what they had to say hi chris and stephanie this is your friend elizabeth and this is dave and we had some thoughts about season three a showrunner of another program i really like uh once said that it's in a third season where a series that's starting to gain an audience really tries to do something new. At the first season, they're kind of figuring out who they are. The second season, they perfect the formula that they've stumbled onto. But in season three, you figure out, are we going to try to be something different or just keep repeating the same formula? And I thought this was overall a successful effort uh, by the showrunners of Orphan Black to do a different, interesting thing by pursuing the caster project. That's right. So, and as far as the themes, I was satisfied both with how the themes came up again and how, where I think they're going next. So, uh, the, the sort of thesis statement that they had was when Sarah and Helena's birth mother said that she gave one child to the state and one to the church, uh, they kept bringing that phrase up over and over again. I thought part of what that was going for was trying to show the sort of nature-nurture differences between Sarah and Helena, but also just sort of point out that these are two big forces in the lives of the clones, the state and the church. Uh, at this point, just represented in the state, mostly by the uh, military and the church, generally as the Prolethians. Now, I was a little unsatisfied with the way that the Prolethians themselves were sort of the only church representative and overall, the military story was sort of predictable in a funny way, like making weapons out of people seems to be the only thing that military stories want to do lately. I mean, if you've seen Jurassic World, which brief spoiler, uh, let's make velociraptors into military weapons. 
okay. Um, but anyway, so it was, it was one of those stories that kind of, you know, I felt like could go different places later, but for now it was fairly predictable. Um, but overall, I love how the themes are going, that we're, we're pushing further and to figure out more what these other things are that the clones are being influenced by. And I am just super duper excited about Neolutionists. I want some more freaky leakies. I want people with tails. In the very last episode, we got, you know, a crazy mouthworm and a, a prosthetic eye that who knows what she's seeing with that thing. I love it. So I am very excited about season four. I'm predicting season four will have someone with uh, webbed feet and hands and amphibious breathing. Ooh, wings. Can we please have wings? We've had tails. Now we need wings. I thought about wings, but that seems like asking for too much. <laughs> well, m- maybe they wouldn't actually have to fly. They could like be just vestigial wings. And they would like, you know, flap a little bit. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, anyway, we're having a great time, and uh, keep up the good podcast work. All right. Thanks, ladies. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Elizabeth and Dave, for, for sending that that info in. And it's interesting. I, I, I Maybe you two, maybe one of you can explain some of the themes that I'm missing or some of the elements of the season that didn't click for me. So if either one of you have strong thoughts about, th- about Caster and things like that, please get in touch because I need help. But but Susan, you were saying you thought of a you thought of another overarching theme for this season. Yes, if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So many mother issues this season, even more than usual, really. <laughs> I felt like the motherhood theme died down a little bit in season two, but it was back with a vengeance in season three. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I actually want to do some writing about the way that you know, because we have. Cody, who's called Mother, we have uh, Bad Mother, Bad Mother, <laughs> or as as uh, Helena said, you are a shit mother. Yes, you are a shit mother. Uh, we have Sarah calling Mrs. S. Mum for the first time we've ever seen. You know, there's all several times, even. several times even, and Mrs. S. referring to Sarah as her daughter in a way that she's never done before. Um, and then the whole thing with Kendall mm-hmm. and there and. You know, issues with Allison and her mom. And I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. much to really pull apart there. Yeah. Lots of motherhood stuff this season. Oh, yeah. Do we do we think they'll introduce Kasima's mother at any point? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, she's sick. Where the hell are her parents? <laughs> do we think Kasima has told her parents? No, I don't think she yeah, has. I don't think so but either. at the same time, it just feels weird that she's so ill mm-hmm. and we have yet to see her parents at all. At any reaction from her parents about what's happened, what's happening to her or seeing her have any contact with her parents at all. Yeah. I mean, she picked up and moved from the university of Minnesota to clone Ronto mm-hmm. and we don't even know that they know where she is. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still not entirely sure if Kasima has her own apartment in clone Ronto. She seems to be, I don't think she does couch. Hopping? Yeah. It's I I guess last season she was staying at Dyad and then she was staying at Felix's and then she was staying at Shay I'm confused. Yep. No, I really want to meet at least one of her parents. Because I think there's a lot more story there than we've seen. I think it'd be awesome if she had two moms. Hmm. Interesting. We've also talked about people wondering if perhaps one of her parents was was mixed race or or black. Yes. Which sounds like I'm saying those two things are exclusive. You can identify as black and be mixed race, but I know what you mean. You know what I'm saying. Pe- people know what I mean. Hopefully, I saw somebody float the idea of Melissa Harris Perry playing her mother, and I love Melissa Harris Perry, but I don't know if she does any acting. But I still would would be curious. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they could just make it like a cameo or something. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be like a lot of acting. Sh- shall we move on to uh, character arcs? Yes, we thought we would start with Delphine, because people are either the most eager or the least eager to talk about this. It seems, I don't know, maybe people are most eager. I'm not sure. But I I do want to preface this by saying, I I think we're going to do a separate, largely Delphine-centered episode. Delphine and Paul, I'm thinking, at the moment. So we're we're only going to sort of scratch the surface of this topic (laughs) for the sake of keeping this relatively um short (laughs) because there's a lot there's a lot to go into a lot to go into so much (laughs) feelings about delphine susan 
I didn't like Evil Delphine <laughs> or Crafty Delphine or Sketchy Delphine or however you want to call it. it. There was something missing for me that it's like they straightened her hair and went ahead and pulled out her conscience while they were doing it. I was like, what? I don't understand. What are you doing? Um, I feel like there's some kind of like backroom conversation or something I needed to see to understand this transformation. That's fair. I'm in the same boat. I I think there were some interesting bits of storyline for Delphine mm-hmm. in the season for sure. But just generally, I, I felt like, Delphine, I don't understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. They gave us a reason of she's trying to protect all of Lita. But that wasn't enough for me to understand why she was why she made such a switch why she became such an arch figure this season. And maybe that was enough for some people. I I know some people just, you know, they really trust that Delphine has people's best interests at heart. And it's not that I think that she doesn't, but I still just didn't understand why she felt like she needed to be so cold and so ruthless, especially thinking of the conversation she had with Shay. I just, I couldn't quite get there in understanding where Delphine was coming from this season. And I missed that. Yeah, I think the the interaction with Shay especially was the one moment where I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I can go this far with it. Like they they had me I was okay with it up until then, because I felt very much that Delphine was putting on this act of trying to be Rachel. Because of how ruthless Dyad is. It's like, okay, I have to be this level of ruthless to essentially be okay in this environment. Like I could, I could mm-hmm. get there. Like okay, that makes sense to me. But then taking that extra step to threatening Shay's life that that rang weird for me. <laughs> like I just, I don't know that that fits in. But then I don't know. I here, here's my point. <laughs> here's I guess my my argument, if you will. Delphine has a history. I think we've seen that she makes these choices. And I think she goes in with a certainty that this is what I have to do. And they're not always the best decisions. (laughs) She means well, by all means, I think she has good intentions, but I don't know that they're always the best decisions. And I guess I was hoping after last season, where I felt like we did see some movement in her storyline in regards to that, this you know, toward the end of the season, she was more willing to say, Kasima, this is your decision. I understand that I have made choices for you and that wasn't cool. I felt like we got some progression in that regard last season and it felt it was completely undone at the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. And that was frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. There were like these two moments that really bothered me with Delphine. And the, the first one was where she's pushing on Rachel's eye socket. That was just like a level of sadism that really bothered me. And then the whole thing with threatening to cut Shay's metatarsal arteries. I was just like, wait, 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 what? Those were everything in the middle. I could kind of maybe get there, but those two kind of bookending moments were just, I was like, they either feel really inauthentic or this is really who she is and now i'm disturbed yeah i i should include the rachel torture in that but i i think i tend to block it out because i don't want to think about it because it's too upsetting well i felt like this season practically all of the characters had these really clear moments of sheer desperation mm-hmm. so i think for for delphine it was both the the eye thing and threatening shay you know, Felix, when he was tormenting Rachel and Sarah, where we're not quite sure if she's going to kill Ferdinand a lot. So I feel like it was a repetitive motif of just seeing so many characters get pushed to this edge where they're just about to make a really drastic decision. Mrs. S threatening to kill her mother. There, There's a lot of them this season. That's not uncommon on Orphan Black, but there were a lot this season. We do terrible things for the people we love. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, it is thematic, even though it's one of those things. I don't know that it necessarily rings false so much as it just, it is that moment of extreme action where you're just kind of like, whoa, I don't know if this, this doesn't feel right anymore. But then I think that's sort of the point. So 
But yes, this season was the season of Delphine pretending to be Rachel. And I guess I also was hoping, because I got that from the beginning, this idea that they were made it very clear in the first episode that Delphine is now Rachel. I mean, she tells Rachel, I'm you now, so. Exactly, exactly. And, but I wish that we had seen more, or any moment, where it felt like it was clear that it, this was something she felt like she had to do in order to, you know, in order to be where she was in Topside or whatever. And we, like, the real Delphine shone through. I feel like we didn't get a moment like that, and I desperately wanted it. I desperately wanted a moment where I could see the old Delphine and kind of be like, okay, she's still in there. Thank God. And I just, I didn't get that this season. I think they had like two moments where they got halfway there in the first episode. Because there's the scene with Kasima in the hallway and Kasima goes back in and we see Delphine break down. I think it's pretty clear in that moment that Delphine doesn't want to do this. And then that combined with the interaction with Dr. Nealon with, you know, not being able to play favorites anymore. So... But I wanted it past the first episode. I wanted something past the first episode, and I just didn't see it. Until the last episode. Yes, she was more cuddly in the last episode. But I still don't understand why she felt like she had to break up with Kazima. I still don't get it. I kind of get it, even though I don't necessarily think it was the smartest decision. Or most logical decision. I don't think it was necessary. (laughs) There we go. That's that's my thing. I I didn't feel like it was necessary. It confused me. Susan? Yeah, I don't. That's why I wish there... I know the show doesn't do flashbacks, but I wish there was some sort of backroom conversation or something that put that in bigger context for me. And in regards to lingering questions from this season, obviously, I think the biggest question for, for in regards to Delphine is... Who shot Delphine? But we're not going to go into a lot of that here because, as Chris said, we are planning to do a subsequent episode where we get more into talking about that. I have thoughts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, speaking of that, we got a voicemail from Edith that largely has to do with Delphine. So let us play that now. Hey, Stephanie and Chris, this is Edith from L.A., and I know it's late, so I don't know if this message will make it into the podcast, but I still wanted to give my opinion on season three. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked that uh, it answered my one big question that I've had since season one, and that is, who is the original? I really wasn't expecting it to be Mrs. S.'s mom, but I thought it was pretty cool how they uh, how they worked that out. And uh, I enjoyed Ari very much as a caster boy, honestly, more than I thought I would. So that was that was great. I think I thought he was great in the in, as the caster, the caster boys. And uh, I have a love hate for Rudy, and I'm very sad that he's gone. And uh, for the past two seasons, Kasima, Helena, and Delphine have been definitely my favorite characters. This season, Helena and Delphine all the way. Uh, Helena's uh, scenes with her pet scorpion, Tupac, and uh, her relationship with Donnie and Gemma were just incredible. And, of course, her reunion with uh, Jesse Towing were just the best. That was just the best. I love Helena, so I hope she stays with Jesse. And um, Delphine, I thought, I don't know, I thought she stole the show. As terrifying as she was, I think she was the only one that was, really, really focused in helping the leaders and just not appreciated enough, in my opinion. And uh, I never thought I would say this, but I did not like Kusima this season. She just frustrated me with that immature attitude that she had. And I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I understand that she felt she couldn't trust Delphine. I get that. I get that she felt lonely and she met Shay. And... um she was with Shay, I understand, but I don't get why the writers didn't have her focus on the science more. Instead, uh, her scenes were just being cute with Shay. And I believe in your previous podcast, one of somebody left a message uh, saying that they felt that uh, Kazima's relationship with Shay felt forced. And I have to agree. As much as I like Ksenia, I don't think Shay got anything interesting. Uh, for Kasima's development as a character. 
it says that the, uh, the writers just brought her in so we could like her, and I very much do. I really like Shay. But um, it seems like they brought her in because Delphine was leaving. And um, I don't know. Chisani is such a good actress that I, I hope that if she returns for season four, I really hope they give her something to do instead of just being the girlfriend. Because that just, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the co-feelership her and me, but uh, I just don't really like that relationship in this. Thanks for sending that in, Edith. The The message got a little garbled and distorted and cut off at the end. So she she says she hopes Ksenia comes back in season four and will have more to do and that Delphine isn't dead and comes back even if it's only at the end of the series. But yeah, I I don't know that I... I have said this before. I don't think that the Shay and Kasima relationship feels forced. It doesn't feel forced to me, but but that's me. Well, here's my take on Kasima this season, because Edith mentioned feeling frustrated. She felt like Kasima is acting immature. And I agree. I feel like there was immaturity on Kasima's part. But I don't think that's anything but new. No, I, I feel like it's consistent for what we've seen from Kasima in the past. And to me, this season, it felt like Kasima just really needed to try to take a break from Dyad and dealing with her illness because she got kind of a, a relief, right? Exactly. Because the treatment that she got from Kira seemed to start working. And I feel like she's been dealing with all this heavy stuff for a year now, or it's not a year. <laughs> I can't, I, time is so messed up in this in this world, I never know. But you know, she's been dealing with her illness and all of that stuff for a while, and she kind of just needed to take a break. And so, yeah, she was acting kind of immature at times, but I felt like I understood why. Yeah, that's yeah. my take on it, too. Yeah, and I think... You know, she's coming out of that relationship with Delphine, which is so loaded with so much stuff. And then she meets Shay on Sapphire and she gets to have this like kind of fun, casual relationship where she can disclose or not as about herself. And it can just be fun. And, you know, it's a re- at least starts out as a rebound relationship, which is, you know, Often you can be sort of silly and immature in those. So I don't think it was inappropriate for her to act the way she did. Especially since the breakup with Delphine just came out of nowhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where she felt like she came back from the dead because of Delphine. Like Delphine brought her back and then broke up with her and didn't really give her a whole lot of context as for why. In my opinion. Yes. Right. And actually there was, I I saw something that was talking about the beginnings of the relationship with Kasima and Shay and how it sort of paralleled in a certain way, the beginnings of the relationship with Kasima and Delphine. I mean, the situation is different, obviously, because they know that there's like dating involved. (laughs) But, but the whole interactions where Kasima sort of is very much like the ball is in your court, you know, once they get that, that whole initial awkwardness sorted out, and and so, you know, the beginnings of the relationship with Shay, where Shay is also sort of like, the decision is yours, I can leave or I can stay, you know. Right. So obviously, Kasima's storyline this season was mostly this love triangle between her, Delphine, and Shay. And we got an email from Tom. It was a great email, by the way, Tom. I really enjoyed reading it. I thought it was very thoughtful. And he had a section where he talked about he felt like the, the triangle ended up feeling kind of needless and and i can get where he's coming from because again i don't really understand why delphine (laughs) broke up with kasima to begin with but at the same time i feel like they the writers at least did a better job than a lot of shows do in structuring this love triangle yeah for this reason and i guess i'll go ahead and plug i've been listening to this new well it's not it's new to me a podcast called the light bulb from story wonk And they had an episode recently where they talked about love triangles and they articulated sort of what made a good love triangle versus what made a bad love triangle. And I think, in my opinion, Orphan Black managed to give this triangle some qualities that make a good love triangle because it felt like there was a clear choice here between what the relationship with Delphine represented to Cosima versus what the relationship with with, uh, Shay represented for Cosima. So you had... Delphine, where 
like Delphine and Cosima, they have this great chemistry. Every time you see them talk, it's like it's so heavy and intense and you can see the connection between the two of them. But like Susan said, their relationship is freaking complicated. And then with Shay, I chemistry can be subjective, I know, but I felt there was a clear chemistry between Cosima and Shay and it was just like this this light, fun, breezy, I don't have to tell her I'm dying unless I really want to. She doesn't treat me like I'm sick. Like, I could see that there was a clear choice there for Cosima, and it wasn't just, oh, two hot people, who am I going to choose? Right. That is, yeah, that's exactly what it is. If if it's a quote-unquote good love triangle, it's one of those things where essentially the, the two options represent... Yeah, what you what you're saying, like two different choices or two different paths, but both relevant to the the party who is, I guess, in the middle of the love triangle, so to speak. Well, it's something I actually ho- hope that they explore this theme more. I was hoping it would play more of a role this season, but in some ways too, with you know, Delphine and Shay being who they are, you have. Kasima, who has, you know, she's had this experience where she feels like she basically had a near death experience, right? And so she's starting to ask these spiritual questions that I don't think she would have asked before, right? And now you have, you know, Delphine, who represents the hard science, and you have Shay, who's a spiritual healer, who represents this other way. And I feel in some ways like the triangle is not just about which woman she's going to be in a relationship with, but her like navigating this identity as having been a scientist and having really relied on science for the treatment, but having now had this experience where she's asking these spiritual questions and like, you know, Delphine is her guide to the science. She's in dyad, but Shay is her guide to all this spiritual stuff. And I I actually really want to see a showdown (laughs) about that, you know, between the the medical doctor and the alternative healer. Um, I really want to see them work with that tension more going forward. That could be interesting. I actually thought that's where the more where the storyline was going to go before I Me too. realized that oh Shay is actually a love interest. <laughs> because in all the like pre-season release stuff it was like Shay is a new friend of Kasima's. I didn't realize that friend was in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I I thought that she was going to meet Ksenia's character in seeking out treatment. Right. For her illness and if it ended up that she was a love interest it would come about that way instead of kind of the other way around the dating app way <laughs> i love that i love that they were so clearly riffing on tinder isn't there though a real lesbian version of tinder i didn't know this but i think somebody mentioned it the other day there there might be i i, I don't know i am not on any dating apps <laughs> sweetie do we need to talk about something <laughs> I'm, I'm like well would that be because most of my gay male friends are on grinder i'm like would the lesbian version of that be like snuggler like <laughs> what would that be i don't know <sighs> i have no response to that <laughs> i will say i got a little frustrated with the or i'm getting a little frustrated with the progression of kasima's illness storyline progression or lack thereof yeah, yeah, because I worry that they they went too far too quickly in season two by having her have that really scary collapse toward mm-hmm. the end of the season and having her on a cannula. And I feel like maybe they went too far last season. And so now it's like they, they brought it back and they at least gave us a plausible reason with the stem cell keep treatment from Kira. But it's like, you know, she has that scary hemorrhage type bleed in the bathtub and then we don't really hear much about her illness otherwise during this season. Right. They kind of did the same thing this season that they did last season where something horrible happens and then everybody is worried all week between episodes and then they come back and like, she's okay. (laughs) I mean, it was obviously scarier in season two than it was in season three, but yeah, there's still that sort of, I think we need to either progress a little or, or just well, we need to progress a little is what <laughs> whether yeah. which direction they go with it, you know, but it needs to go in a direction because it feels yeah, it's pretty holding pattern. Right. 
the one last thought I had about sort of the initial interaction with Kasim and Shay, and I, I love this. I like when shows go kind of meta is when Shay is talking about the last girl that she met on Sapphire and how she was this goth that like high fives her every time that it had a connection. It was so clearly Kenzie from Lost Girl. And I just, I love that when they throw those little pieces out for fans. So you're saying she dated herself? <laughs> yes. Up top. Okay. <laughs> Shall I move on to Sarah? Yes, let's move on to Sarah. Sarah, I felt like, did not have the strongest story arc through the season. It felt like she was the the driving force for storylines, as she often is, obviously. She's our lead. But the thing that about her story arc that interests me the most was all the references to Beth. Mm-hmm. And she states that she wants to try to finish what Beth started, though I never got a clear picture of what that meant to Sarah. But I like this idea of her thinking back to Beth and trying to pick up from where Beth left off. I think that was one of the best scenes of the season was Sarah's interactions with Beth or, you know, her mind Beth. And I think we really saw in those scenes and and the ones that followed where that she was talking about it, we really see that Sarah feels guilty for Beth's death, which is kind of interesting, I think. And I think maybe is more about the guilt that she has carried over from stepping into Beth's life. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, I when I, at the top of the episode, said that this season contains some of my favorite moments, that scene between Sarah and Beth is one of my favorite moments in the this season because I really have wanted to see more of Beth but because the show doesn't do flashbacks that makes it really difficult and I just loved that you know stop asking why and start asking who moment with her it was an amazing scene but I'm still not entirely sure what that question means yeah I don't know either and it'd be a good jumping off point for next season, but maybe that was leading into the reveal about the the Neolutionists as to who she should really be worried about. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's part of it, but I feel like there's something more there. And it makes me wonder about Beth taking her own life, if she started to have an answer to that question of who, and she couldn't handle it. Have either of you started reading the comic books? I have not. I have not. Okay. Then I then I will save all that comic book talk for later. <laughs> that should be another episode for our hiatus as we should we should do volume one, which I think is the first four issues of the comic and talk about those. The the first four are already out as of this recording. But yeah. Well we'll see how far they get by the time we're ready to talk about them, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, there there is more Beth in the comics, is all I will say. I think my other sort of maybe my favorite Sarah moment this season was when she and Felix are at Mrs. S's after Mrs. S has been attacked and Sarah looks at her and says, I'm sorry, mom. And that just like that undoes me just thinking about it because we don't see them be tender with each other like that. And of course, you know, two minutes later, they're screaming at each other. But that was just so there was just something so like true about that to me and that was a piece of those two characters i'd never seen before Mm -hmm. yeah we did see the dynamic shift between sarah and mrs s a a few times this season they like to do a lot of parallels between sarah and helena and i feel like this was a big one for them this season is the importance of family and figuring out who their family is and how to take care of their family was i think an important piece for for both of them. Again, I feel like some of my favorite bits of the season were the interactions, the storylines that involve Sarah and Helena's relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are always just excellent, though. Every season they've gotten good stuff. Because really, if I had to name my favorite two, my favorite episodes of the season, two of them would definitely be, you know, 305, where Helena betrays Sarah, and then 306, where Helena comes back for her. Like, they're just amazing. Come, sister. People miss us. Mm, I know. 
But we also got some interesting stuff with Sarah where she has to send Kira and Calloway. Like, she has to make that decision in episode two. And I like it for the reason that it sort of makes Sarah revisit this idea of abandoning Kira. I think it's drudged all that stuff up for her because she talks to Helena about it in episode five. The fact that she abandoned Kira, because obviously she feels guilty about that. But, you know, it's it's one of those things like doing it this time, she has to do it to keep her safe. Like it's, it's necessary this time, you know? That reunion moment of them lying together in the snow in 310 was like... It makes me cry every time I watch it. Just thinking about it. Pretty much. And it was heartbreaking this season to see how Cal, in in episode two, I think, offers Sarah this chance at kind of a normal family life, right? He buys this house in Toronto, and he's bought stuff for Kira, and he's saying, I'll move here, I'll be with you, with this, we could have this if you want it. And I think had Rudy not come and did what he did, Sarah probably would have said yes. And then coming upon this realization that her child isn't safe being around her. Like that was just, uh, it was such a heartbreaking moments to see her realize that in order to be a good mother, she couldn't be with her daughter, at least for right now. Right. See, I think this is another theme that really is prominent in season three, where all the characters come to these sort of crossroad decisions where, you know, I can have this or I can have this, but you know, one of these might not be safe, even though I'd really like to do that. You know what I mean? We've seen, I mean, we already talked about Delphine doing that. The the love triangle thing is sort of one of these two. Sarah, again, having to either embrace family life, which may not be safe, or give them up to keep them safe, at least, you know, temporarily give up those relationships. Well, and even, you know, in a more momentary sense, when... Helena and Jesse are reunited. And then she gets the call that she's needed. And she says, you know, I've waited a long time for this. I can wait a little longer. Yep. Speaking of Helena, I feel like Helena had one of the most satisfying character arcs of the season. I agree. Oh, Helena. Because uh, season two ends on such a terrible note for Helena where we're all worried, but then it's like, well, I guess if it had to happen to anybody, it's a good thing it's Helena, because Helena would be the one who would be able to deal with it best. Which sounds horrible, but at the same time, I think this season proved that to be true, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And perhaps this is a false comparison that I'm making, but like we've mentioned several times just in this episode, Orphan Black does not do flashbacks. And I felt like seeing Helena at the beginning of this season... It was a way to learn more about who she is and her past without doing a flashback to when she was living in the convent or living with Tomas. But we see through, you know, the emergence of Pupak and how how she copes with these horrible situations and what her survival instinct really looks like. Because I feel like we hadn't quite seen it to this extent before. We see it a little bit in season two, but this the kind of strategic planning that she did when she was being held. That was, I feel like, something new that we hadn't quite seen before. Right. The escape attempts, where she ties off her arm to prevent herself from getting knocked out by the the drugs. To me, that is Helena's moment that's equivalent to Sarah's drinking the soap. Yeah. I think there's an interesting parallel, too, with her leaving her embryos in Felix's apartment to keep them safe. That's sort of a parallel with Sarah having to send Kira away. Hmm. I think there's just something interesting about that, that they will be safer if they are not with me. Hmm. Although I want to know what, what what's going to happen to the embryos now. <laughs> that's a big question, right? And will, will they recharge the, the, the coolant in there? Cause the doer. Yeah. I think it's what, it seems like season three takes place over maybe two or three weeks, mm-hmm. maybe. And apparently the, the coolant in there only lasts for two or three weeks. So I'm, I'm concerned about <laughs> the coolant. Well, and this was a question we had at the end of season two. What are going to be the significance of those embryos? Could they be used in either a treatment or a cure for 
Kasima and the other clones. And that's still a question that we have at the end of season three. Like, what are, what are the, the importance of those embryos? What are they going to be used for in the storyline? Right. It's a little surprising that they didn't give us more about that yet. But as I say, season three very much felt like a, a bridge season, if you will, like a, a mid, mid run season, I guess. I also found it really interesting because Helena is, I think even more than ever this season, a clear protagonist. And we still, though, got reminders of the fact that Helena did bad things. Helena can do bad things. So I I like that they have redeemed her. And by and large, I think we know that she's going to do more or less, do bad things for good reasons now. Mm-hmm. But but they're not denying the fact that, because they have Paul mentioned to Sarah when she's criticizing him for protecting the caster clones. Paul reminds him, like, oh, like, Helena's completely faultless and, you know, her attack on, on Pouchy and, and all of them, like, yeah, it's intense. So I like that they aren't just forgetting the fact that she used to be an antagonist and, and do bad things to people that we cared about. Mm-hmm. I do not think they will be coming back for change. And then she laughs. Yes. Oh, Helena. You charming weirdo. And I love the interaction with her and Mrs. S in the cantina. Yes. First I eat, then we fight. That was a really great scene, too. It was. I felt like we saw a slight shift in the Helena-Sarah dynamic this season. It felt less like Sarah was the monster's keeper. And more like she was just a big sister to me this season. So that was kind of nice. And sort of revisiting Helena's issues with, I guess, abandonment really as much as anything. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed. I can't remember if we talked about this or not. In Helena's cell at the rendition camp, she had actually drawn, you know how she always does the little drawings, the stick figure drawings. There was one of her and Sarah that had been crossed out. Yep. Yep. Which broke my heart. Me too. I always love when we get to see Helena try and be one of the other clones because she's not real good at it. <laughs> so seeing her try to be Allison with her cold that interferes with her syntax was just, <laughs> I I loved that. And I actually loved the interactions with her and Donnie. She was so sweet with Donnie. That was surprisingly delightful. It, oh my God. So funny. And that was what was super interesting to me this season, because Allison has always had the most traditional family life of all of the clones. And we see her family life just get weirder and weirder this season, (laughs) because they bring in Helena and Gracie. And it's just like, what is going on at the Hendrixes? But what's so great is, like, Allison just kind of seems to embrace it at this point, which is so not what she would have done at the beginning of the series. No. And I, I kind of like that it's Donnie who's the one who has a problem with it this season. Donnie's kind of not okay with it because it's still relatively new to him. Right. And I, I liked that aspect of it, too, that Donnie was just adamant that Helena shouldn't be there. And then Helena and he become, like, best friends. <laughs> we already hired the Amish girl. Why do we have to take her? She's Prolethean. <laughs> And that lovely moment between Helena, speaking of the Amish girl, Helena and Gracie, where Helena comforted Gracie when she told her, you know, I lost our baby. And Helena tells her, you can be my baby's auntie. It's like, oh, Helena. And gives her a little kiss on the cheek. I know. Well, and I like to, we didn't see the conversation, but Mrs. S alludes to it where um, Helena has, after like, I'm going to kill you has asked her to be granny to the science baby. And I, I just love that, that she's trying to build this family. And it's just such an interesting arc for her. It is. I, I love that Helena, as Tatiana Maslany put it, that Helena's killer button was essentially turned off by a hug from Mrs. S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's oddly sweet, which I think is just kind of generally true of Helena, right? Mm-hmm. And we forgot to mention in the finale, but we got another Sarah-Helena parallel in the finale with both of them being reunited with the the person that they most desired, because we see Helena reunited with Jesse and Sarah reunited with Kira. And I do like that the sweetness of the 
Helena Jesse reunion is tempered a little bit by Helena basically trying to have flying squirrel sex with him. (laughs) 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 Kind of like that. Although I think the best scene of the entire season was the scene that she has with Rudy in the garage. Just amazing. So deeply affecting and quiet. Unexpectedly Mm -hmm. quiet. Yeah. We we saw a lot of compassion from Helena in this season for both Parsons and Rudy and Sarah. Just a lot of compassion. And for Gracie. Just for everybody. Except for people who threaten babies. Babies. You should not threaten babies. (laughs) Yeah, Helena is quickly becoming my favorite clone. Oh, I love her. Are we going to have to fight over our love for Helena now? No, 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 no. First we eat, then we fight. It's hard to pick a favorite, honestly. my Our four main ones, like, I love them all in different ways, but as far as this season goes like helena i I think was my favorite this season well i love when you can see sort of traits that are really dominant in one of the clones sort of start to surface in the others because like we see kasima is so compassionate and like her interaction with kendall is just so compassionate Um, and we're used to seeing that from her and then we see that you know very similar sense of, of compassion and gentleness come out of Helena, who that's the last of the clones I would expect to see that. And I thought she probably would have just ripped Rudy's head off, but instead they have this moment together. And all that after she called him the the ugliest Mark yet. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that she consistently refers to the caster clones as those Mark-faced boys. Yes. <laughs> you are the ugliest Mark yet. Oh, Helena. And as I think, I think you mentioned this before, Stephanie, in the last episode, but we really do see, especially this season, but we've seen it before, that Helena is becoming this defender of women. And I like that, too. I've mentioned this before, but I I will watch other shows. And if somebody is just being a awful, yeah, awful, sexist, abusive person i'm just kind of like i wish helena could just miraculously switch shows and show up for a minute and take care of this guy (laughs) every show would be better if that happened (laughs) i like that idea helena needs to show up on game of thrones that was the show i was watching when i first started saying that yes i wish helena could just miraculously show up (laughs) just take this guy out We'd love to hear your thoughts about season three. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes over at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 83. You can send us an email, feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. Or you can leave a cryptic message in the margins of a rare first edition science fiction classic. (laughs) We're on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. And in this episode, Susan was played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. <laughs>